Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning. It's Thursday, April 2nd, and you're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott, and today we are dedicated to breaking down the latest in the all-time recruit bracket. We started at 64, or really 68, I think, with with a few all-time votes, and now we're down to eight, and I'm going to bring in Charles Power, a national analyst at 24-7 Sports, who has helped with this project. Charles, how's it going? Good. Uh, quarantining, sheltering in space, but uh, still uh, footballing as hard as as hard as I possibly can. Yeah, I feel like it hasn't been any any slower for us. No, it's it's it's, no, it's it's day to day day to day. It's yeah, it's about the same, honestly. Yeah. So what I'm going to have you do, I'm going to read out the 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 final eight for everybody and and tell them tell everyone who's playing who in the bracket. That's it's going to go live Thursday morning. And I, I think you have a few nits to pick, so I'm excited to do that. So in one round, we have Adrian Peterson against Justin Fields, and Peterson beat Clowney, and Fields beat Tyron Smith uh, of USC and Dallas Cowboy fame. Uh, and they would play, the winner of that would play Vince Young, who just dispatched Terrell Pryor. Vince Young versus Miles Garrett, who had a really nice matchup versus Derek Stingley Jr., Jr. And, and Miles Garrett won that one. So Adrian Peterson, Justin Fields, Vince Young, Miles Garrett. On the other side of the bracket, Leonard Fournette beat A.J. Green. You don't like that very much. And he will face Julio Jones, who, as a seven seed, Julio has gone on quite the tear. He just beat D.J. Williams, a, a three seed. But uh, in the round of 32, he knocked out Trevor Lawrence, who was a two. And so he's sort of knocking off a lot of big-time guys. And we'll see if he does that with Fournette. It will be up to the fans. And then finally, the last little pod, We've got some Cinderella Heisman winning running backs here. Reggie Bush just beat Percy Harvin, and he will face Derrick Henry, who blew through Gerald McCoy, the Oklahoma defensive tackle. So, Charles, we got our Elite Eight, and there are two who, in our show prep, you're like, what in the world? And and let's start with Adrian Peterson, who has gotten more, more votes than anybody so far this bracket challenge, beating Jadavian Clowney, who ranks as the highest are the best recruit in the history of the 24-7 sports composite. Yeah, so I, I think I, I wrote uh, a little bit of like a, a preview um, or kind of a analysis making the case deal uh, before the, the fans were voting on this round for this specific matchup. And, you know, I, I think I said like, you know, the, the term generational is thrown around way too often when describing prospects unless you term like a generation being a year or two. But, but these, these two... Javion Clowney and Adrian Peterson are generational type prospects, like maybe the best at their respective positions um, in, you know, 10, 20 years. I don't think that's uh, much of a stretch necessarily coming out of high school um, and you just kind of looking at the impact they made in college and then in the NFL. But um, I, I, I saw Javion Clowney a lot in high school. I probably saw him play three or four times in person 
Um, saw him as a sophomore. Saw him. I saw his last game in high school as as a senior in the state championship game. And uh, like he's head and shoulders the best high school prospect player I've ever seen. Um, and I think you know this. This not to slight Adrian Peterson. I mean, Adrian Peterson ran a ten uh, an electronically timed ten two six one hundred meter time, which is like a, that's like what Tyree Kill ran in high school. Um, as as big as he is, so he's Adrian Peterson is a freakish, freakish running back. Always has been. But Jadavion Clowney, there's a reason why. I mean, on the twenty four seven sports grading scale, he's a one hundred five. The next closest prospect is a one hundred three. Uh, there's a reason why. I mean, he is just just completely unbelievable uh, as as a prospect. And like his senior year, he had 160, 162 tackles. Uh, like 30 sacks he had 11 forced fumbles Uh, he scored nine touchdowns on offense I think he scored five on defense just I mean he was like Javon Klein was the damnedest thing I've ever seen on high school football field and I remember we had to do it we had to do a piece not not to draw this out too long Trey but we had to do a piece like a kind of a thing with um kind of talking about the best prospect we've ever seen and to me where like I really kind of drew the line. It's like, okay, this is like, I'm watching something special here. So the state semifinals, Clowney's senior year, they were playing a team that decided to basically read him. And I guess to kind of, um, in, in layman's terms, they were going to leave him unblocked and let the quarterback read him and kind of decide what they're going to do with the zone read. Well, in the first quarter, Clowney had three touchdowns and they were winning 43 to nothing. Um, in the first quarter, and this is like a state semifinal game. So yeah, I, I, Adrian Peterson, great running back prospect, but uh, man, I that Javon Clowney should have won. He should have won the whole thing. Uh, let three alone. touchdowns, three touchdowns as what? Uh, he had like he he batted one to himself. Uh, he had a fifty yard interception. Uh, I think so. I think he had two on defense and, and one on offense. Yeah, in the first quarter. I mean, it's a shame that these two got matched up because Adrian Peterson. I mean, you said it you nailed it generational and yeah, I don't know. Adrian, he was bound to win something. He got robbed for the Heisman. Yeah. Should have won as a, should have won as a freshman. So yeah. Yeah. So he wins this one. He's going to play Justin Fields. No real, no real qualms with Justin Fields advancing over Tyron Smith. I think it's a shame that Justin Fields is still alive while Trevor Lawrence, who literally was in his class and ranked ahead of him is not, but I don't know. Uh, at least Clemson and South Carolina fans can commiserate here. Charles, I'm thinking Vince Young, is you know we'll see who we'll see if he can get past miles garrett that's a fun texas or texas a&m matchup vince young and adrian peterson have gotten a lot of love in this bracket and i and i wonder if people the fans when they're voting they're looking back fondly on the older guys or and like these guys are pretty old at this point like early 2000s vince young we did a little video with his highlight tape compared it to terrell Pryor. And if Pryor's video looks non-HD, Vince Young looks like I'm watching somebody from the 1970s, and obviously I'm not. But my goodness, uh, your thoughts on, on Vince and, and maybe his chance to run the table here as a, one of two quarterbacks left? I, I would think, I mean, just looking at the way this is setting up, uh, you would think it probably would be Adrian Peterson against Vince Young. And yeah, I mean, those those are guys, I mean, they're. I think the thing with Vince Young is yeah, he's like, he's what you, he was a Houston legend. You know, I, I think he, he was kind of one of the first big recruits uh, in the internet recruiting era. I think he was the first number one recruit kind of once we had like a, if you're, if you're going back and like looking at the composites, he's kind of the, he's like patient zero as the, as the number one recruit. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're not lying about the, the, 
the video quality. I think when people say like watching film, his was actually recorded on like film uh, uh, when you go back and watch it. But yeah, it's just uh, really impressive. I think he maybe had like 50, 60 touchdowns as a, um, as a senior. He was running like a split veer offense. Um, just uh, it, like a lot of those games that he was playing in, they were, I think they were at the Astrodome and just completely packed out. It was kind of like one of those like events, you know, everybody in Houston would just go watch Vince Young play. Um, but, uh, Friday night lights types. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I have no real qualms with that. I mean, I, I think if I was going to be filling out that, that part of the bracket, I probably, um, you know, would have had Vince Young against, against Miles Garrett right there. So it's interesting as we talk about Vince Young as the best quarterback recruit of all time. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him filled out in one of those sections where you compare a recruit to somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I see Russell Wilson all the time. Vince Young, I don't know if we're t- we're worried about being hyperbolic or there's just really no one like him, but there hasn't been since. And when you talk about dual threat quarterbacks, they're not like Vince Young anymore because they're probably more efficient passers and they're, you know, they're better, they're better right. passers than Vince Young, but he's sort of what uh, absolute. Uh, pioneer is that is that type of recruit, but not one you see very often anymore. Okay, you did not like Leonard Fournette, who was formerly the number one recruit in the twenty four seven Sports composite in his class, beating AJ Green. Um, can you tell me why? Yeah, so so this was I, I was exposed to AJ Green probably more than anybody, just kind of growing up in South Carolina um, and seeing him play. Saw him play a good bit in high school. Um, so, and not, not, I don't think this is necessarily an exposure bias thing on my part either, because when you go back and watch AJ Green in hindsight, I think there's a strong case to be made. And I know you could, you could make the same for Julio Jones, but really AJ Green and Julio Jones are the two best receiver receiving prospects since Randy Moss in, in high school. And, um, and when you go back and watch AJ Green's videos, like he has the best ball skills of any receive like high school receiving high school receiver that I've ever seen um and I, I think in the context of of that I think AJ Green was underrated coming out of high school if that's possible being a top 10 type prospect um he and Julio Jones like I think I remember you know uh like a guy like Doriel Green Beckham was in, like the number one or two player in the country in his cycle and he won and he wasn't nearly as good as either of those guys um I think Julio Jones is one that you probably would want to see like probably flash a little more in, in camps and seven on sevens whereas AJ Green was probably the more prolific high school receiver he was like you know all state as a as a freshman at, at the in the highest level in the highest class level in South Carolina um I think he had like you know five, 6,000 yards really before teams were kind of throwing the ball around, um, in, in his career. I also saw him play basketball too. He was, he was like a, like probably a, a high major basketball player. And I, I, you know, it like, I just, are we really going to have, uh, three running backs as the, as the, as the four best recruits in ever like like running backs a devalued position i feel like everybody's just voting on uh like kind of just watching the ball you know um so that was kind of my thing with that and i would have loved to see i think this this robbed us of a, the aj green julio jones matchup the the two best receiving prospects in in 20 years so were they in the same class they were in the same class that's crazy yeah it's it's, it's wild and if you go back and look at that class, there's a strong argument. If you're going to maybe re-rank it, you could say, you could argue if they were going to be one and two in that class. Um, so yeah, I, 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 it's, it's a debate for the ages. Everybody kind of has their, 
own side, but it's a deal where they're both so good. Even the guys who think Julio Jones is better than AJ Green will say, you know what? Like I could see a case for that. And I kind of always have leaned AJ Green um, just because his skill set was so projectable. But if you were, you could make a case for Julio Jones. It's just one of the more, more fun um, recruiting debates I think ever. And, and they were both uh, maybe like a little underrated if that's, if that's possible. I, I know Bud Elliott's going to, I think have a piece coming out on 24 seven sports about this later, later in the week. But yeah, I was just, AJ Green is looking back. He's completely unbelievable. Um, we talked, we talked about this one when, when you and I, uh, talked about Noel divine and how the recruiting industry has sort of reacted and, and readjusted and gotten better about running back evaluation. What are your thoughts on how the industry does with receivers? Because, you go to the Julio and AJ Green class, and you look at that, and that's that's great. The classes before that, I did something a few years ago. Um, a lot of lot of a lot of receivers highly ranked, and like with the exception of a Ted Ginn or a Percy Harvin, a lot of guys who you know really didn't live up to the hype. Do you think receiver has always been a tough position for the industry? For the industry? Yeah, at, at times I think we're probably getting better with that now. Um, I think the sp- spread offenses have made that a little. It's a little, it's a little easier, um, just because I think the sample size you get, um, and just how often their receivers are thrown to in high school, maybe is is, is changed a little bit. Where you, there's just not as much projecting going on because a good a good receiver is gonna get, um, you know, is gonna have I would think at the minimum like 40, 50 catches in, in high school. So you get like a pretty good grasp on that. I think it's just I think it's just become easier, um, maybe over time. Um, and, and I think one thing you see at the receiver position is it's highly technical. So it, those are those are skills that you're going to see um, kind of developed in high school, early college. And uh, those are things where you might not always have the guy that runs the fastest 40, but it might be more of a change of direction deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I think the industry has definitely gotten better at, at ranking receivers, but I also think it's become easier if that's if I had to kind of come up with a succinct answer. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, last one, and we'll get you out of here. I think the fans have given Reggie Bush a college bump uh, <laughs> as he sort of makes his way through this bracket. Uh, he faces Derrick Henry, who is an 11 seed. And I think if if you looked at the bracket before all of this started and you said, who's my double-digit seed who makes a run, we all would have said Derrick Henry. Yeah. Derrick Der- 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 Henry is our uh, Loyola Chicago. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Um, and is he... It, what would be your pick here, Charles, in Reggie versus, versus Big Derek? Yeah, this, this is an interesting one because, first off, I, I said this when we were looking at the bracket. The Lavar Arrington region uh, was 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 ripe for upsets. Let's just let's just be honest here, Rashawn. I like that you like refer to the name of the region. <laughs> I like totally forgot it. Good for you. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, you're talking about the the number one seed was Rashawn Gary, who was was for this purposes a, a weak number one seed, and Ronald Powell who was a week number two seed, uh, who I think he actually got upset. Did he get upset in the first round? So By Laramie Tunzel. Yeah, so 15-2 upset. We had a little uh, uh, Lehigh-Duke uh, upset there. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so I I think this one was right for – you could kind of see this coming a little bit. And Derek Henry, I think – I think you got like maybe a little post bump with uh, both these guys with, with Reggie Bush and Derrick Henry just because of how good they, you know, Derrick Henry just had uh, a kind of a, a monster season, postseason um, in the NFL. And I think people are going back and watching how good he was in high school. And there's a little, um, 
you know, it, it certainly merited a little course correction there with people kind of thinking how good he was. And then, and then Reggie Bush, of course, everybody knows, you know, it, how good Reggie Bush was. Uh, so I, I always say the the three best uh, high school players I've ever seen are Jadavion Clowney, Derek Henry, and Kyler Murray. So, and I was, I was kind of fortunate enough to, to cover Derek Henry pretty closely when I was um, covering Alabama recruiting. And so went down to Jacksonville, saw him play a couple times. And, you know, of course he's the all time leading rusher in high school football history. He ran for over 12,000 yards in, in his high school career. I think he had uh, well over 4,000 his senior year. So um, they're just completely different players, man. I, I, I think, uh, you know, Reggie Bush, uh, had the uh, kind of the highlights, the really lose hard to tackle. Derrick Henry was complete opposite, just running through people. But, but they were both like highly athletic. I think that's one thing people forget about Derrick Henry is if you go back and look at his testing numbers, he was um, you know a spark finalist at the opening. I think he ran uh, in the four fives. He had a forty inch vertical, a low four second shuttle. Um, so man, he's just completely freaky. I think the but the, the, a lot of the conversation with him was, is like, is he actually going to be a running back? Like, I, I think there was a lot, a whole lot of talk nationally that he was not going to be a running back at the time. And uh, of course that kind of, you know, kind of graded him a little bit and kind of added to the, you know, proverbial chip on his shoulder. So I, man, I don't know. Like I, I didn't see Reggie Bush near as much as Derrick Henry. I know Derrick Henry is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, just kind of seeing that like field level, uh, so I would probably lean Derrick Henry in this, but uh, I, I think I would have I would have liked to maybe have seen a guy like Trevor Lawrence or one of the guys we thought got clipped maybe have been in the Lavar Arrington region. That was just a a weak a weak region for sure. Could have maybe reseeded. We've got potentially some really compelling matchups coming down the pipe. I appreciate you coming on, Charles. I'm going to throw you off and then get these people the news, such as Oregon getting a grad transfer quarterback, unless you're itching to talk about Anthony Brown, but you've had a long one. So uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. See ya. Thanks. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back appreciate charles joining us appreciate you if you've been voting on the all-time recruit bracket there's not much time left so get out there and help vince young win it all i'm just kidding uh to the news 
I teased Anthony Brown landing at Oregon. Before we get to that, real quick, did you guys see that the NCAA president Mark Emmert and members of their senior management are cutting their pay by 20% in the wake of this coronavirus pandemic? It's pretty crazy. They're also going to be able or not be able to give as much as they usually do to division one conferences. It's, it's reducing that planned number, um, to $225 million to D1 conferences and schools, and it was supposed to be $600 million. So we're going to have to see the aftershock of that, especially if we enter a time in which a college football season is delayed or uh, lessened or taken off the table entirely. Fingers crossed that does not happen. Emmert made a little over $2.1 million in base salary in 2017. So again, now he's taking a 20% pay cut on to more fun and traditional college football news. The Oregon ducks landed a grad transfer on Wednesday kid by the name of Anthony Brown from Boston college. He was actually probably per many accounts, the top remaining quarterback uh, on the, in the transfer market. And last year at Boston college, he only played in six games. So his stats weren't very good. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions, less than 60%. In 2018, though, he played in 12. He was a starter. 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. He's not a guy who's going to complete over 60% of his passes. He's never done that. And he's not really a rushing threat either. But he's a capable, steady starter. Probably has a little bit more in him than what we've seen, given that his talent at Boston College outside of A.J. Dillon has not been above the Power 5 average. And at, at Oregon, he's certainly going to have plenty of talent to work with. And is this an indictment on how Oregon feels about rising quarterback, Tyler Shuck, who we thought would be the replacement for Justin Herbert. Look, Anthony Brown's still going to have to win this job. And the fact that there's no spring football or summer workouts means that he's going to be disadvantaged come fall camp. If we have it or whatever fall camp looks like against guys in that Oregon quarterback room who are familiar with the program and familiar with the offense in the playbook. But you would think that that if Oregon's out there and grabbing a guy who has one shot left, one season left of eligibility, and grabbing a guy who had other options, you would think Oregon is sort of letting Anthony Brown know that this quarterback job is his for the taking. So we will see. But Anthony Brown filed that note away. It might mean something this season. Oregon plays Ohio State in Week 2, and Eugene Oregon also plays North Dakota State in Week 1. And this is an Oregon team who... I love. I think they could win the Pac-12. They should win the Pac-12. I think with their defense, nine returning starters, I believe, not to mention two five-star incoming linebackers named Justin Flo and Noah Sewell, I think this Oregon defense could be one of the best in the country. You got Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the edge. So we'll see if Anthony Brown lifts the Ducks into the college football playoff. Last bit of news for today. The NCAA, this is not a surprise at all, uh, bumped the – so it, it was supposed to be that the dead period ended on April 15th and dead period means on campus visits for recruits, um, all that stuff. They bumped that period from April 15th now to May 31st. So we're going to stay quote unquote dead weird, weird use of words. Um, during this, this time, uh, we're going to stay dead until then. And so what that means fully no official or unofficial visits for football recruits. And the spring's a big time for that, especially on the unofficial market. And, and then with the early signing period in the last few years, uh, on the official visit market too, as these kids try to make decisions 
earlier and earlier. The big thing for coaches, spring evaluations will not happen this year at all because coaches are not allowed to go see these kids at their school during the dead period. So we're going to be – the recruitment for a lot of these kids is not going to pick up. If a recruitment is usually picking up in April or May, now I don't know when a recruitment will be picking up, but it won't be it won't be as busy as it usually is this fall during the early signing period because a lot of colleges are going to have to be a little bit behind on their evaluation and who they want to offer and and getting track times and getting guys in for camp. So this is a big deal. This is until at least May 31st. You hope that we get to May 31st and there's a there's there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel where the NCAA can say, "All right, we're going to allow something here. We're going to, you know, we we can get kids to college campuses or we can get college coaches out on the road. So we'll see, but no surprise, but certainly a little, little sobering news in the podcast today. And that, that is officially going to do it for us um, for today's episode. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support. Leave us a five-star rating. If you have an idea for something you'd like for us to talk about, drop us a review on Friday's episode. I'm going to be recapping the 1998 Texas A&M versus Kansas State Big 12 title game which I rewatched earlier this week. I'm hoping to have a few special guests join me for that. If not, I'll get a few guests. They probably just won't be as special. But uh, for Tony Levitt, for Charles Power, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.